the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Rosca Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Rosca Jr. Hello, everyone. I'm George Rosca. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 85 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the transgender craze that is being pushed by sexual revolutionaries in the name of studies that claim this is the best thing for our kids. That's right, George. You know, these sexual revolutionaries keep on making the claims that we need to support children or they will commit suicide. Well, today we'll be talking about a very important summary by a gentleman named Dr. Stan Weed, a man that has been pivotal to helping wade through the mountains of data and bringing truth to bear. And so let's give a quick introduction about Dr. Stan Weed and his latest uh, research or evaluation of the body, the vast body of research that now is coming out on this topic. Um, So he recently published uh, this new evaluation of basically he's trying to take the top transgender research that is out there and say, okay, let us examine it and see what is it actually telling us? Mm-hmm. Because we know what the other side is always claiming. So he, he, in fact, framed, that's all we hear is what the other side is. That's claiming. all we hear. So he summarized this and he calls it the five things every parent and policymaker should know. Um, you know, the state of Florida has been at the, you know, the, the, the tip of the spear, especially because of their, their surgeon general. Yeah. He's been pushing back on a lot of what the other side is saying. But, you know, the reality is, Mark, that over the last 10 years, we have seen an exponential rise in the occurrence of gender confusion or gender dysphoria, also called transgender or gender nonconforming, uh, among young people worldwide, but especially among teenage girls. And there's no controversy about that. It's been an explosion. Yes. So we know that the distress of these young people is real. And the causes of this unprecedented trend are are really unclear, and they're raising difficult questions about what is the compassionate, ethical, and effective way to respond. Yes. So number one is that you know experts disagree because some recommend watchful waiting plus counseling, while others are going to take you to the opposite route, saying no, you need to get them on cross-sex hormones, you need medical procedures, you need anything possible to get them to change into who they believe they are or else they'll, you know, commit suicide. Right. So we see the current administration uh, at the federal level has been getting on board with what is euphemistically called gender affirming care. We see that happening even here in 
the state of California. We just talked about it on our last episode um, about the parent revolt. SB 107. So let us walk through what Dr. Stan Weed, uh, a man that has been so helpful and instrumental in deciphering and you know ba- basically seeing the forest through the trees. Uh, and so he's going to make five major points about um, this whole transgender movement and the research that is available. And so we'll we'll touch upon just two of those points in this podcast, and then in our next podcast, we're going to touch upon the the next three. Um, so let's. Um, here's what we're going to do, Mark. We're gonna we're gonna dive into some weeds. I'm here. looking forward to it. There's a lot of weeds, <laughs> but it's important little... information. But very important information. And parents, Doctor Stanweed actually has um, all of this information on his website. If you just Google him, Doctor Stanweed. His website shows up very first um, on on Google. So point number one, it's the question, what does research show about the benefits and harms of cross-sex medical treatment for minors? So the scientific evidence has not shown that cross-sex medical treatments are beneficial to children or adolescents. The research making these claims is not scientifically reliable. And we're going to get into the understanding what we, what we say by, what we mean by not scientifically reliable. Mm-hmm. In fact, there is evidence of harmful impact. Consequently, a growing number of scientific agencies do not recommend such treatments. Instead, they recommend counseling and watchful, watchful waiting for gender confused youth. So here's a summary of the evidence that we're going to get into. So many scientific agencies, including here in the U.S., and but a lot more internationally, do not recommend medical transition for youth because the research claiming to show positive effects from cross-sex hormones or surgery is methodologically flawed and not scientifically reliable. Number two, the limitations of these studies include lack of control groups. So now we're going to get into how these studies were performed. There are lack of control groups. There are very small sample sizes. There's recruitment bias. There's non-generalizable study populations. And there are very short follow-up times. And there's high numbers lost to follow-up. So there are very prescribed methods and ways that a good scientific study is performed. Yeah, tried and true methods that the scientific community has known about for decades upon decades. But what what Dr. Weed found was that a lot of the studies in support of gender-affirming care were kind of purposefully scrubbed to give the answer that they were looking for. Exactly. So these these studies actually are finding negative outcomes from medical transition that tend to be of... They, they found that studies that are actually resulting and their conclusion is that negative outcomes from transition tend to be of adequate scientific quality. So all of a sudden, if you're going to go out there and do a really good study where you're going to have good control groups, where you're going to have an ample amount of sample size, where there's going to be no recruitment bias, where you're going to have a good general study population where you're going to have a long follow-up times and where you're going to actually have good success with the follow-up, 
not only long follow-up times, but you actually, let's say, you know, you're, you're taking a sample size of 1,500 people. Right. All right. Cause they're usually between 1,000 and 1,500. Let's say like 900 of those 1,500 actually, you know, you are able to follow up with them. That's really good as opposed to what they're finding in a lot of these studies that are claiming to be purporting gender affirming care to be true. Um, those do not have an adequate amount of people following up. And I think one of the things that's happening, Mark, here is that we all know, and we're going to get into some of this stuff, most kids, in fact, an overwhelming like 85 to 90% of kids, when just puberty does its job in them, they will get out of this state of confusion. And, and there's a term uh, in the medical community which is becoming popular for this. It's called watchful waiting. So this is the option recommended by many of these scientific agencies. It means deferring transgender interventions for gender-confused children or youth for an extended time during which counseling can occur and a natural desistance or persistence process can play out rather than force the child. Oh yeah, you're the gender that, that you think you are. So we're going to immediately start you on hormone blockers and uh, cross sex hormones. No, let nature run its course, help the child feel comfortable in their biological identity. And to your point, close to 90% do when they come out of puberty. Exactly. So now we're going to get into the weeds on this point. One of the countries that you will hear us talking about over and over is Sweden. And the Sweden National Board of Health and Welfare in 2022, this year, here's what their study has stated. For adolescents, the Swedish National Board of Health and Welfare deems that the risks of puberty-suppressing treatment and gender-affirming hormonal treatment currently outweigh the possible benefits based on continued lack of reliable scientific evidence concerning the efficacy and the safety of both treatments. Wow. This is out of Sweden. That's great. And this is not an old study. This is a recent study, 2022. And uh, they're not alone, George. Uh, the British National Health Service uh, called the CAS Review also published the results of a study and they found at this stage the review is not able to provide advice on the use of hormone treatments due to gaps in the evidence base. Evidence on the appropriate management of children and young people with gender incongruence and dysphoria is inconclusive both nationally and internationally. And same thing out of Britain, the British Medical Journal in their evidence review published in 2019, which is one of the most foremost scientific publications in the world, concluded, quote, puberty blockers are being used in the context of profound scientific ignorance. Wow. Treatments for under 18 gender dysphoric children and adolescents remain largely experimental. There are a large number of unanswered questions that include the age at start, reversibility, adverse events, long-term effects on mental health, quality of life, bone mineral density, osteoporosis in later life, and cognition. The current evidence base does not support informed decision-making and safe practice in children. Scary, scary stuff. And this is, you know, 2019, right? This is, mm. I, I'm thinking about 2019. 
how many school boards meetings I had attended, how many protests at the state capitol in California and Sacramento I attended. And nobody was even talking about this stuff. They were just automatically purporting gender-affirming care, and they were looking at us parents who were saying, no, 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 we can't do this to our children. We were the crazies, and yet the evidence continues to come out. So we've read about Sweden. We've read about Britain, but we also have Finland. These are not bastions of conservatism, George, out of a red state America. These are traditionally um, liberal-oriented countries uh, in Western Europe. So uh, this should be, you know, I I think strong evidence uh, to make Stan Weed's point here. So the Finland Board of Selection of Choices for Health Care, called PALCO, said that the first-line treatment for gender dysphoria is psychosocial support and, as necessary, psychotherapy and treatment of possible comorbid psychiatric disorders. The reliability of the existing studies with no control groups is highly uncertain. And because of this uncertainty, no decision should be made that can be permanently, that can permanently alter a still maturing minor's mental and physical development. In light of available evidence, gender reassignment of minors is an experimental practice. No irreversible treatment should be initiated. Pretty strong statement. Very strong. And and Mark, the very first line that you said about the first line of treatment for gender dysphoria is psychosocial support. We've been saying that all along. We have. (laughs) And in fact, in uh, in California, if you remember back in 2018, uh, Assembly Member Evan Lowe wanted to ban any kind of counseling that pastors or therapists, you know, give their, they basically refer to like shock therapy. The name slips right now. But he had Assembly Bill 2942 at that time where he was trying to ban any type of counseling of minors in the state of California by professionals or by pastors. You automatically had to affirm what they were going through, and that's it. You couldn't try to change, help them you know, work through it and process it in this manner, what they call the, you know, the, the psychosocial support. And the irony, George, here is that it's not just these Western European countries. I mean, the, the U.S. has become sort of a hotbed for uh, uh, promoting gender-affirming care therapies. But U.S. law as well, or excuse me, U.S. medical studies have well, have found the same kind of results as these Western European countries. In fact, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in 2022, the FDA added a warning to the labeling for puberty-blocking hormones to monitor patients taking uh what are called GNRH organists for signs and symptoms of pseudotumor celebrity, including headache, papadema, blurred or loss of vision, diplopia, pain behind the eye or pain with eye movements, tinnitus, dizziness, and nausea, a host of problems that come with gender-affirming care. Exactly. So uh, the evidence is just piling on top in favor and, and mark that's called conversion therapy they were trying to ban that and they 
they euphemistically label that because, you know, all of their, you know, commercials were trying to give you that image that, you know, conversion therapy is like putting somebody on an electric chair, getting them, getting the gay out of them or something like that. George, I'm looking at this list of evidence and we don't have time to recite all these, but, but you have assembled scores of similar evidence findings that all say that there, there's no solid evidence that gender affirming care is beneficial to, to students. On, on the contrary. Exactly. And this is just point one. All right. So going to point two. Now, what does, here's the question, what does research on medical gender transition tell us about preventing suicide in trans youth? And this is another huge point because this is where they hit it home. They have been scaring politicians and policymakers that if you do not provide gender-affirming care, people will commit suicide. They have indeed. And so the conclusion is that research does not show that medical gender transition is necessary to prevent suicide. In fact, there is evidence that medical transition procedures may increase suicide risk in gender-confused teens. And so we're going to go back to a Swedish study that was published actually in 2011. And we've cited this study many times. We have. And this Swedish study recognized as a landmark 30-year longitudinal study of life after transgender surgery found that 10 years after sex reassignment surgery, the transgender patients were 19 times more likely to die from suicide than the typical person in the Swedish population after accounting for differences in in individual mental illness before surgery. So this is this Swedish study is probably one of the most important studies for parents to know. Uh, another point was that those transitioning male to female are at higher risk for suicide attempts after sex reassignment. And the study authors concluded surgery and hormonal therapy is apparently not sufficient to remedy the high rates of mental illness and mortality found among among transsexual persons. Our findings suggest that sex reassignment, although alleviating gender dysphoria, may not suffice as treatment for transsexualism. Uh, and George, you've cited study after study uh, that corroborates what you just read. Here's one from Carmichael 2021, a recent study patterned after an early study in the Netherlands that said puberty blockers improved mental health in transgender youth, found that puberty blockers had no positive effect on mental health or suicidality. Another study here, uh, WipeG's 2020, an important finding was that the incidence for observed suicide deaths was almost equally distributed over the different stages of treatment. So, i.e., the suicide rate was roughly the same before and after cross-sex surgery. Here's one from Turban, 2022, a recent study cited as evidence that cross-sex hormones during adolescence reduce suicidality in adults, obscured contradictory findings, and seemed to downplay evidence suggesting increased suicidality for 16- to 17-year-old patients. The study used the weak correlational research design, lacked adequate control for some confounding factors such as pre-existing mental health, and combined the effects of two very different hormones, testosterone 
and estrogen. And the study goes on from there. And from here, Biggs built upon that turbine study in 2022, found that a second analysis of the same data used in turbine 2022 found that the use of cross-sex hormones significantly increased suicidality nearly twofold for biological males receiving estrogen, which increase it, which increases in suicidal thoughts with plan suicide attempt and suicide attempt requiring hospitalization when the effects were analyzed separately for biological males compared to females. Here's one from Biggs, uh, 2022. Longitudinal analysis of patient records from the world's largest clinic for transgender youth found that there was no difference in the suicide rate for those who had not yet received treatment and those who had received treatment, puberty blockers, and or cross-sex Hormones. The study said that it is irresponsible to exaggerate prevalence of suicide. Data from the world's largest clinic for transgender youth accumulated over an 11-year period found that the proportion of individual patients who died by suicide was 0.03%. George, that's 3 out of 10,000, which is orders of magnitude smaller than the proportion of transgender adolescents who report attempting suicide when surveyed. So over and over and over, and especially this last quote that you said, that it is irresponsible to exaggerate the prevalence of suicide. There is the my truth problem here. And the left wants to stick to a a storyline, their own version of the, the truth. And what we see now is that the truth is actually coming out. And Dr. Stanweed has provided such great uh, documentation do, conducting his kind of meta-analysis of all of the data and what it's actually telling us. And so, and we're going to hear more of it next week. We definitely will. Um, so parents, we uh, highly recommend that you go to uh, our website, protectourkidsnow.org, where you find this, you can find this information, download and share our brochures, uh, watch and share our many videos. Um, we also have a YouTube channel where you can watch those videos. Um, we recently published the How to Start a Private School Guide. Uh, share that with your pastors and elders at your church. Um, and then on the front page of our website, we have a request a speaker button. Uh, Mark and I will be more than happy to come and speak to uh, your church, your parent group, or whatever other organization you're leading. And lastly, we want to remind you that we have a donate button. POK is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our mission is to inform parents about the dangerous public school indoctrination and alternatives to public schools, but we rely on donors to do this. Um, however, our donor revenue is unpredictable. That's why we're inviting you to join our Guardian Angels program by making a recurring monthly donation. This will enable us to help more parents get their kids out of public schools. So thank you for partnering us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And until next time on Say What? You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Rosca Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. 
and join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.